0: She sent me her game worn boot from the championship game, you know, and that's cool. As a coach, I mean, that goes right in my office at the university and, but it, it means so much more than, Ooh, I won a national championship. That's great. You know, and I've, I've gotten Marines from universities I've worked at, but the story behind that shoe really cool. You know, ironically it's the same foot that she tore the ACL on. <laughs>
1: Welcome to TSP. I'm your host, Matt Thomas. I'm joined by Dr. Brad Lashinsky, and he is the man who does everything under the sun, or at least that is something I continually ask myself the more we chat. After our first, through our phone call, I've come and watched him coach, and he was just everywhere and chatting with me and coaching and doing everything at the same time. And he's another product of just a simple Insta DM. Whenever you, you reached out to me, we chatted for a while, but He got his PhD from Rocky Mountain University. He's the director of performance at St. Lawrence High School, which is outside Chicago. He has owned and sold his own business. He's the director of the exercise science department at St. Xavier University. He's got some little ones running around of his own. He's on the board of the NSCA Sports Science and the CSES. As well, Uh, he's the VP of the rugby SIG of the NSCA. So, the more we chat, the more I just ask myself, like, how do you, I have no idea how you do all this. So I'm super excited <laughs> to have you on and we will hop right into it. Hopefully I did you justice, but how are you doing? And what is the first slash biggest story of your career that kind of set you on this path you're on?
0: Man, first off, thanks for having me. You know, I listen to the podcast, you do a great job. I love the condense of, of the podcast and getting right into it. Cause I think, you know, a lot of podcasts drawn out right so i appreciate it i appreciate the work you do for tc man you do a great job your whole facility and team do an excellent job so what has really got me on the path well weird right i got fired that is the biggest Whoa. and i got fired twice you know and i think you know as a young coach i was 25 when i got fired the first time right i was working for a company named tp sports performance working with a lot of the area high school kids and we are in the midst of opening up the Bo Jackson dome, which is very popular in the Western suburbs out by Lockport. And um, we also had a facility in Evergreen Park. Walked into work one day and you know, my the owner was like, hey, can you sit down? I was like, yeah. He's like, do you wanna buy the business for me? This location? I was like, how much? He said, 75,000. I said, can't afford it. He's like, you're fired. I like, all right. So it put me in a position of, you know, as the lead instructor, there, a lead head coach, we didn't really have distinctions and, and um, titles at that point in our in our careers. but um, you know I, I had to make a choice. what am I going to do? And forging relationships as a young young coach serves you well because I was able to then open up my own business with a clientele ready to go. The failure of that owner is he wasn't present. He was an owner. Great coach, phenomenal throws coach, one of the best javelin throwers in the history of the United States. Phenomenal guy. So I never have to hold grudges against it. It was a learning opportunity. Uh, Something that really set my path forward and owning my own company, learning how important it is to forge those relationships, because you never know when you got to lean on your network. Uh, The second time I got fired was after I moved back from Florida. I did a little bit of a stint in coaching in Florida and working for a good friend of mine that actually he launched his business within mine. And, um, you know, he pulled me in the, you know, the office one day and I was the lead coach. So I had 22 coaches under me. And um, he said, I just didn't fit his core values and what they were looking for. And um, so let me go. And uh, again, it put me at a crossroads. What do I do, right? Do I go work at a big box gym or do I, you know, what do I do, you know? And at that time I'm a little older, you know, I'm in my mid thirties and, you know, again, leaning on your network. I, You know, one of my buddies called me and said, hey, I I think you could uh, reopen your company again. I think it's time for you to open open and own. And um, he goes, I don't mind helping you out. So again, it goes back to that networking. Some of the most important failures are the ones you grow the most from. And I think that's really key for young coaches. And I mentioned this um, often, you know, as a leader, you know, perceived leader, you know, I lead the company, I lead, you know, the athletes, I lead my students at the university. You have to allow people to safely fail. Without those failures, I would never have that path, you know, put in front of me. And it definitely was not a paved path. You know, there's always rocks, bumps you got to lay your own foundation you got to lay your own you know network and that's what you lean on
1: i think i think the hardest thing about adulting now that i i guess i'm an adult is <laughs> that you don't, is that you don't have a box you know and like right. you can literally make whatever box you want so it's like what do you do because normally it's oh well you have to take these classes and you're in class from august to may and then you do these classes and then you go to grad school and then your phd and da, da da. But like you're adulting and like You get to make your own box. So I can only imagine like once you walked out of that first facility, you're like, I don't, I don't have box anymore. Like what, what could I, I could do anything. What, what could I possibly do? Um, So, so that was kind of the first thing. And then the second thing was about the network. And that's a theme on TSP is that jobs are gotten before they're even like a thing, you know, and like, yeah, there's, there's a very small percentage of jobs that, that happen from kind of just cold applying, you know, where it's, where it's you're good buddies with someone. And then one of their friends says, Hey, do you know someone for this job? It's like, Oh, I got a guy for you. Or it happens directly to you. So there's just so much to be said about first being a decent human being.
0: Yes. that is also, number one. Yes. <laughs> being
1: good at what you do and putting yourself out there, you know?
0: Yeah. And I, I think, you know, to your point, you know, even looking at, I, mean, I love the NSCA, they do a phenomenal job, but it's really hard to get on their speaking tour. I do a lot, you know, with the NSCA and, and stuff. And I love it. I, I absolutely love it. I think they're a phenomenal organization, but I've only spoken at the state clinics. Like my, one of my big things is trying to get on that national stage. Just it's a bucket list of mine. You know, it's like, get yeah, at the national conference and try to present and you know, I put in for three or four and I've made it down to the top five to get in. I just haven't broken through. So it's always a constant reminder, you know, even though a network may be strong, it doesn't guarantee you right to your point. And, you know, and, and obviously to your point that the division one twos are very heavy in networking specifically in the strength and conditioning field. And that's why the sports science field is so, um, so cool and kind of so new and gives so many more opportunities to uh, scientists.
1: I guess next we'll, we'll kind of chat down that rabbit hole is like, how does one get on the board of, of kind of of sports science. How did you stumble upon sports science? And I guess we'll start with what's your definition of sports science?
0: Well, the definition for me is looking at data, right, and, and capturing data and learning how to disseminate that makes sense not only to what you're doing program-wise, but to your other coaches. Um, if you're a sports scientist or a lead scientist, you got to be able to take that data and explain it to the strength and conditioning coach and how to best implement it. And you also have to be very forthright and understanding that you can't just look at numbers. A lot of this stuff is also subjective data. I'll give you an example. If we're using, um, say the FMS as an evaluation tool, right? We have, me and you are, are looking at somebody performing uh, the overhead squat, right? Well, there's these parameters we got to follow with the FMS, but you might have a different observation than I do. They might score a two and a two with both of us there, but we know that there's definitely some room to improve with that movement, right? And that movement, That's where that programming comes in. Much like I use and Dynamics, phenomenal force plates. Uh, We take all this data and if we see something a little goofy, yeah, it might be a little off. Does that mean we're going to change the program 100%? No, we might want to capture a couple more jumps. So it's really taking that data and some concrete numbers and quantifiable numbers and taking it down and breaking it down to the coaches and then put it into the program and then also explaining to the athlete because I think it's really important. So again, disseminating that information, I think is really key. And your second question is how do, how do you get involved? Very lucky. Um, you know, my title at the university allows me to um, get into some cool things, being a director of exercise science, sports and fitness administration, having the technology at the lab, and then also previously working and, and still working with the CSES and doing their exam preps and things like that, you know, they kind of asked me, hey, would you mind helping out with this too? You know, of course. Um, I think one of our greatest things as coaches is giving back and servicing our field. And I think that's uh, um, hugely important to me. It's one of my core values is giving back and service. And and I try to align myself with like-minded um, schools and universities that also think serving is, is vitally important to the growth and maturation of our students and, and our profession.
1: Fantastic. So, so last kind of part about the intro of your story was, uh, Getting getting fired down in Florida and having to <laughs> yep. come back. So, can we kind of just chat about kind of coming back to that business, kind of learning not only from the first time being fired, but also an experiment down in Florida and uh, having known what not to do? You know, I think that there's so much value in, in you uh, speaking on the importance of failing safely, but learning how to fail, learning how to learn from failure and. And kind of speaking on like coaching with other coaches and interns and stuff like that, it's like, you have to empower them to go and do stuff. And sometimes they'll crush mm-hmm. it and sometimes they won't. But kind of with your story, having going back for it the second time, mm-hmm. kind of what were the main things that you were in your mind or the main lessons that you took, took away from, from the first two rounds?
0: I think the biggest thing is delegation and learning how to delegate, learning how to say no um, oftentimes coaches are big yes people. We want to appease everybody. We want to make the right decisions, the right calls and and get mixed with everything. You know, uh, oftentimes people always ask me, how do you do so much stuff? You know, I have a great staff. I mean, you met my head coach, John, phenomenal coach, just a great coach, young guy, always learning, always, you know, put himself out there, great writer. It's learning how to delegate and trust. And it goes back to that safely failing, you know, and, and allowing them to learn, being a great leader and being being a leader at any point in time is trusting, delegating, and being there to mentor and catching them if they do fail or if they have questions. That's that's our job. So going a second time around, it was much more going into this, laying the foundation in a, a facility that I opened. Once that foundation was laid, have somebody come and work and build that foundation up in their own right and give them their own code. I tell all my coaches, they should have their own websites. They should have their own IG accounts. It's not about my company. It's about you as a coach and about our athletes. I love that Johnny has his own articles and he publishes and I'm the first one to share and previous coaches of mine, first one to share their businesses. It's hugely important to me. You gotta have some autonomy. You can't be stuck in, hey, I work for prime time sports performance. I can only do their methodology. We all have different takes on things, you know? And it's really important. I let you know. I let John program for football, program for the basketball team. He loves those sports. Why would I deny him that? I love football too. I played it. I love it. I played at a high level. It's great. But I'm not going to sit there and take it from him because that's going to show him interest. That's going to show him I trust him with something that I love. And I think that goes hand in hand with a great relationship with your coaches. You know, up north we have adversity volleyball, phenomenal. I've trained and worked with their owners, and I put my One of my minority business owners up there, Mo, who does a phenomenal job. He's the director of all the strength and conditioning up there. I write the programs, let him kind of do what he has to do and manipulate them. And I trust him. It's delegating. And it's really allowing yourself to let go. So letting go is a huge thing and opening up number two. When I was young, 26, and opened up, I wanted to do everything right. I got to program everybody. I got to train everybody. Nobody's as good as me as a coach. Oh, there's a lot of good coaches out there. And a lot of good coaches that are better than me. You know, and and you see that, and you have to learn from that, and you have to take that. I wouldn't say arrogance, but the assurance of of how good of a coach you are, and realize there's a lot of good coaches out there, and you better hire good coaches and hire coaches that can fill gaps for you, that can fill your weaknesses. Never hire, you know, same same uh, strengths as yourself. So.
1: Hiring multiple Brad's, I'm I'm sure your your wife would <laughs> would just want there to just be one Brad in the world.
0: She, yeah, yeah, I'm a pain in the butt for her for most of the time.
1: <laughs> but then also it goes back to like, well, well, why do you hire multiple other coaches if you're just gonna like hold their hand through everything or not even let them do all that stuff? And it's like you you bring them on for a reason, you know. And mm-hmm. and like looking back, I guess like now that I'm I'm full time where I interned way back when, you know, five years ago. It's just like they let me kind of do all that stuff, you know. But it's like they had given me, they'd walked me through our our classes, you know, and then I had the programs. And then I had to go through sessions explaining my private um, my private programs and stuff like that. And it's just like, dang, like I did a lot on my own. Right. You know, I'd earned that right. Yeah. But it's just like, imagine if if I had just done their programs and their programs and their programs, and then it just turns into like this echo chamber mm-hmm. of of you know, Tommy or Steve at the top of TC Boost. And I was actually chatting uh, with Steve about this yesterday about how like it's interesting, having been at TC Boost not for the longest period of time, because before it was just the summers, on how like all of our own experiments and speed and plyos and agility and stuff kind of influence everyone else and how like we'll kind of go through waves of like we're all yeah. doing similar type stuff. Mm-hmm. Like we went over, over speed on our 1080 sprint in a staff meeting. And then, like in our subsequent training sessions, there was a lot more overspeed in our private sessions, you know, and then we got a Nord board, and then a lot more people were hopping on and doing Nordic curls in general and stuff like that. And then uh in the fall, Steve and I were kind of going through this like uh intervention-based, kind of individualized sprint, individualized drill, sprint in- individualized drill. And then, like now, because we all have kind of bigger group sizes. Wow. Uh, we have two big jump stretch bands together because it's six feet apart, but it's right. still partners. And like now we're kind of all messing around, see what we can do with the bands. And it's interesting kind of how, how everyone has their own spin because they have the ability to do so. And right. everyone kind of observes because we're all going at the same time. <laughs> well, we I all, think it, yeah.
0: Yeah, well, I think it's important, right? We all have anybody that's coaching at the levels you guys are coaching or, or that we try to get to in coaching. If we're getting an, an, getting that quality out of the athlete that we want, whether that's speed, power, you know, speed, strength, whatever the quality is, right? There's many ways to skin a cat to get the same quality. The question is, can you defend that quality if you're asked, right? Which I think is really important. If I see something a little goofy, I'll ask. I have no problem. And he'll, they'll ask me. My, my staff will ask me questions. You better well have a defense for what you're trying to do. You know, and that's, I think is really important because there's a lot of ways to get people faster, stronger, quicker, you know, and and you can't allow people to be in a box. You can't have the owner say, these are the only parameters we're in. If you step out those parameters, man, that's a warning. You know, you got to be able to, you know, you mentioned boxes early and being in that box, you got to be able to start building your own boxes and being willing to step outside the box and try new things. Because one session of trying new things isn't going to hurt the quality of that athlete. Unless they get hurt, obviously, but you want to stay at some parameters. But they're not; it's not going to ruin them. Much like having a cookie one day is not going to ruin your whole nutrition for a week. Right? You're not going to all of a sudden put on 10 pounds because of one cookie, right? You you want to try a new cookie? Hey, have the new cookie, right? The question is, are you doing it all too much? And was it the right thing? So you have to test things out. That's how science is made, right? We got to have these theories. We got to have you know a question about the theory, and then we got to apply the theory and see if it works. So having Owners like you do who allow that space and allow the growth of your mind and and the field is hugely important. So I'm a big fan of what you guys do. And that's what we try to replicate. We want to be able to experiment. We're doing intermittent thigh pulls with the force plates. What's that going to tell us? I don't know. It's going to tell us something, but is it correlating to what we need? And we only know that if we try it, you know, it's not going to hurt them, but we got to experiment. We got to see what's out there.
1: Yeah, it's, it's it's not gonna hurt them. It's still gonna be a good stimulus. It might no. not be to the magnitude that you expected, but I think there's so much to be said about having this time this into kind of sports science. What what brought us together is this like scientific method of thinking, mm-hmm. you know? Okay. And like I'll ask I'll ask interns, I'm like, what's the scientific method? And they're like, uh, let me like draw back to like, you know, high school bio or, or whatever. <laughs> I'm right. like, have you ever grown <laughs> have you ever grown a plant on a window, you know, in like fifth grade or whatever? Yeah. it's like okay you have different amounts of sun different seeds and then you you take a ruler and you measure it and then you write it down and then you figure out what was uh, that's literally like science you know mm-hmm. so you have this idea with rationale you know you should be able to talk through why it makes sense why you tweet it like this instead of that and it's been interesting now that we have some interns and they'll ask me what seems like really basic questions i'm just like i'm just like it's pretty good that I do have like an explanation for that because that'd be weird if I was like I don't know just because yeah just but, because why not but you have this ra- and and also if someone's a, a little bit older or in in research kind of go through a research study in your head what's your intro and rationale what are your methods like how would you replicate that or describe the instructions to another coach yeah. how are you writing down those numbers what numbers are you specifically looking at? What do the numbers say? And like, kind of, what's the point? How do we apply it? Like, how does this make us better? And if someone can verbalize, or it would make a pretty decent piece of content, like a five paragraph article, you know, yeah, just bad, going right? through those those five steps, um, chances are you're going to have a lot more efficient of a process, and then you can help yourself and other coaches learn. Um, so, just the scientific method or scientific way of thinking, I think, is huge.
0: Which is a huge gap in our field. Um, you know, as I defend my PhD next month, you know, it's the hardest thing for me to do. And I am a first gen college kid. I tell my students who I deal with first gen college kids, the hardest thing I've ever had to do is learn how to write scientifically. And, you know, our students at SXU, they take research methods one and two. You know, we have the psych department teacher to do a phenomenal job. We teach it in three of our courses, how to write, because it's really important. You know, in our field, we're either going to go to graduate school you know, at some, you know, some capacity, whether it's for exercise science, kines, whatever, you know, in, a, in a, that sense, or they're going to go to PT school or OT school. And it's really important they learn how to write and write in a scientific way where um, they sound intelligent, right? They can defend things, but they're in that process of critical thinking, which is different than writing for English 120, right? In English 120, you're explaining things. We're scientifically, we're defending things. We're defending things using either a quantitative, a number, or some sort of qualitative kind of ideology with a way of disseminating that information. It's really important. It's really a hard change for them to go to summarize this article and blah, blah, blah. It's one paragraph to, no, scientifically, you know, summarize this article, right? And then you're teaching them. And I always tell students like, when I correct you guys, it's not me being mean, right? And I'll pull up one of my My first dissertation I put up, I'll put that up and they'll see all the red marks, you know, and they'll see comments like, you better learn how to write better or you ain't going to pass. You know, I wouldn't say that's good constructive criticism, but I just show them it. Like, I didn't just come out of grad school and learn how to write. It took me a long time to write like this. And I'm not even that good yet, you know, and it takes thousands of hours of practice. And that's a huge gap in our education system of teaching how to write
1: definitely definitely and and having that background and experience you can then take it and like really apply it and kind of bridge that gap between like the super kind of hoops to jump through
0: right kind of
1: kind of but then also like how does it make you better day in and day out as a practitioner so i think that it's an awesome background and i'm grateful for it Um, but it's cool that you've been able to share that with your students and i'm sure that we could go on and on and on about your background but hopefully that touched on kind of the beginning Yep. So let's kind of get to the middle. What is the sure. coolest story thus far in your career? So if you had to tell just one, what would it be? That's
0: a tough one. Um, you know, I'll, I'll go to a, a athlete named Olivia Burgau. Right? Um, Olivia Burgot was a, she is a phenomenal athlete. I had her in Florida. Um, she was a great soccer player. Um, she did a Cardinal sin one game, playing against the rival, uh, sprinted for a ball, and she saw her teammate out of the corner of her eye. And instead of running through the ball or tailing off, she decelerated, blew out her ACL. Now, she just received the scholarship offer from North Carolina, the Mecca at that time of soccer, phenomenal soccer program. Hard worker. She comes to the gym, you know, after the surgery, and she tells me that they took away the scholarships. She's kind of devastated. So we go through the rehab protocol. We get her back ready to go. She gets an opportunity to go to Florida State and walk on. Three years later, she's the captain of Florida State's soccer team, playing North Carolina in the national championship game and gets the game winning assist. That to me, not only shows like what our field is, right? And, and how it could come full circle with this immediate high of getting that scholarship offer, the immediate low of of blowing out the ACL and this traumatic thing and, and, and what do I do? And how do I, like, how do I kind of process this at 17, 18 years old? And as a strength coach, Again, these relationships you forge and build allow us to have these deep conversations. And and God, I've seen numerous athletes cry and, and get very disappointed and um, not know how to pull themselves out. And it's our job to pull them out of that valley and try working them back up that mountain to peak performance. And watching her go through that and watching on TV and getting that phone call. Hey, thanks coach, I appreciate it. Awesome. And that was, God, how long ago? Um, maybe five, six years ago, you know, and, and I get a phone call from her dad two weeks ago saying, Hey, I sent you something in the mail. Right. And I was like, all right, cool. You know? So she says, man, I still talk to Olivia to this day. We're a really good friends. She's in PA school right now. She played some pro soccer. She sent me her game worn boot from the championship game, you know, and that's cool as a coach. I mean, that goes right in my office at the university and, but it, it means so much more than, Ooh, I won a national championship. That's great. You know, and I've, I've gotten Marines from universities I've worked at, but the story behind that shoe, really cool. You know, ironically, it's the same foot that she tore the ACL on. So, you know, you look at that stuff and and our job is so much more than pushing numbers, pushing weight and and seeing their their work in the weight room. It's the talks, it's the um, relationships, it's the ability to foster something outside of what their parents can do and what their coaches do. I often tell my coaches, we can't always be the hammer, right? because they get hammered by their parents for being successful, their coaches on the field. Sometimes we gotta be that, that person that puts their arm around them and, and and cares for them and show some empathy and understanding. You know, whether it's having an athlete walk in the door, start crying and say, hey, what's wrong? Let's go talk. And their dog died there earlier that week or whatever to somebody having a devastating injury to somebody losing a father, parent, whatever. And, and we're there and we're more than, you know, pushing numbers again and, and writing things down on a piece of paper and saying, let's go, you know? So. I think that just really came full circle in and showing me how relationships really build to the success of the athlete and to yourself as a coach.
1: I remember you, you telling that story in person when I came and visited a few weeks ago, I got the shirt.
0: There it is. Yeah,
1: And I I had the the same reaction. Uh, So super, super cool and, and crazy story. And there's two things that I mainly took away from that. And the first is like, whenever you guys talk on the phone, you're not gonna talk about what percentage her back squat got back up to or how much more range of motion or just how sucky a workout was. It's like, yeah. we did it, you know, the shoe and, and all this stuff. And like the last thing is the numbers, even though that's what we're like paid to do, right. you know? And then the second part of that is like, and, and this is something I've been chatting about with Steve, is like, where where do we really play into this like training, becoming better at sport process? Mm -hmm. and chances are she was a a stud soccer player or she was a stud soccer player before she came to you, you know? Mm -hmm. And chances are, if she could have gone to any other PT, she would have returned, maybe not to the level that she returned, but she would have returned eventually. But it's those conversations on turning it instead of an anger story into this like kind of triumph, hopeful, you got this, this is going to be awesome story. And kind of as you ended that story on, on just the journey that you went on with her and how it wasn't about, about getting back at UNC, or it wasn't about, oh, I was robbed or whatever it may be, but changing the story she was telling herself about her injury, you know? Mm-hmm. And those are things that, that you're, not, you're not gonna have a class about. Well, maybe it's one of your classes, <laughs> but- We
0: talk a lot about it. I actually use her story as um, I wrote uh, for one of my uh, PhD courses, um, I did her whole needs analysis whole thing, all 37 pages of it. And it was a return to play protocol. And I use that uh, in my class for measurement evaluation. I use it for strength and conditioning program design. I use that because it's a really good thing of all the stuff we did to prepare her for that. At some point we have to look at and go, did we prepare her enough for that deceleration? What gap did I miss? Right? Like, holy cow, like that's not supposed to happen because she did all this stuff. And it's also, you know, allowing them to go through the grieving process. You know, hey, snap out of it. You'll be fine. You can't do that. Let them cry. Let them go through the anger, as you mentioned. Yeah, of course she was angry. She couldn't believe it. She couldn't believe it. It was a wet night at that soccer game when she tore her ACL. She knew better. But as an athlete, she's competitive. So you have to allow her being angry at herself, at the sport, you know, at having surgery, and then you go through the denial. I can't believe it happened, whatever. And you just got to go through it, you know? And that's just how it is. And you got to be there and, look and listen, be a good listener.
1: So believe it or not, I might not be the best athlete in the world. I might've walked on <laughs> D2 and I, I've never had a, a, a power five ACC scholarship pulled from me, but I, I, I really like how you finish it up. It's like, sometimes you just got to let it suck. Right. Mm-hmm. And you can't just be like, oh, you'll be fine. Or like, screw those guys. It's like, no, like you worked hard, you earned it. And now it's gone. You know? So like, this is going to hurt for, for a few weeks and I'm going to let you do your thing. You know, but, you know, whenever it's your opportunity, listening for the right moment, just having that connection to where they feel comfortable crying, expressing their anger. And then consequently, the you build up that trust for when you say, hey, you know, like that's in the past. Okay, what are we going to do now? Then they're completely bought in you know, as right. opposed to trying to rush it and being like, oh, you're just being dramatic or it was going to be gone anyways. You know, there's two different ways that you can kind of handle that. So right. there's so many things that, that like truly do go beyond. And then going back to what I said about like, where do you fit in in this training process, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So it's, it, it's there's there's a lot of cool stuff kind of coming out of that story. It was just as cool the, the second time around.
0: Yeah, it, it, it always gives me goosebumps, you know, and she, she calls me. We talk like I said, we talk often she was in town uh, about a year ago, a year and a half ago And, you know we met up, you know, downtown because she was there with her her significant other and, and it was cool, you know, it was, you know, we always stay in touch. And and it's so I a lot of my athletes, I stay in touch. You know, I got that's I think it's important. But you know, to your point, you also got to know when to turn that story into a motivational part. And I think that's the tricky part. Being in the field a long time, you kind of know where to take that anger and, and that denial and that being upset. And learning how to say, okay, now we got to turn that and we got to start looking at where's my next goal? You know, how do we get you to that? You know, because I've had opposite stories of that. I had an athlete that tore ACL very similar to hers that lost her scholarship to the University of Miami because the, and then we found out that the doctor put her ACL in wrong and she was over with. She was dumb. She didn't want to play anymore. So there's that other side. You can't beg people to play a high level sport. You can't. You know, and I'll never forget that story. Sitting there watching her run and going to her mom. Hey, you know, I think uh, I think we need to go to her, the, the doctor. Why? And she's just not running right. She's X months post-op and she's just not running like the other girls that are preparing. And so we went in and, and, you know, they put it in wrong. Doctor made a mistake. And she's a senior. And, you know, what do you do? She decided, hey, you know, I had a great run. I was part of the Orlando Development Program and I'm done. So, and you got to let them do that. You can't beg, you know, because again, it's not about you as the coach. It's about them and their own journey and story. You just play, you're a small spoken at wheel of their life. Yeah, it'd be an important one, but you got to let them. I remember sitting her in the, in the foyer of our, our office and, and her crying, just saying, I can't believe it's over. Like I'm done, you know? And then you had the opposite of Olivia saying, I ain't done. I'm going to go back and use that as the kind of a, you know, the fire, you know to, to move motivate me so you get both ends and both are great kids both are very successful one's a physical therapist and the other one's going to be a pa so they're going to have draw a lot on their experiences as athletes
1: yeah and, and and going back to kind of what you said about having that like or being that very small but important spoke and it's just like you're just like that guy you, you just like nudge them a little bit one way or mm-hmm. a, a little bit the other way you know and if you have if you listen and you have all those important pieces of information Then you know when to nudge, when to not, you know, Mm -hmm. when to say something, when to motivate, when to draw a little bit more, also when to pull back, you know, so there's so much to be said about just like being a human, listening, and then just like being a good practitioner, I guess. So very cool. So Mm -hmm. that was kind of the middle-ish. Yep. And then let's get kind of towards the end. So Mm -hmm. thus far, what is the story you're kind of most proud of? So the biggest kind of full circle payoff, kind of looking back in retrospect, you're like, you're like, that was, that was, that was pretty sweet.
0: Um, I have two, I'll give you both of them quickly. I had an intern that turned coach that turned one of my head coaches named Derek Baker, um, back in a long time ago, great coach, phenomenal strength and conditioning coach. He worked for me when I opened up my business the first time from Iowa and came to me and, you know, I got to trust him, ran my stuff, um, uh, ran my stuff when I went to Florida before I, I, I closed it all off. And then, um, you know, he opened up his own company. And I 100% support him, phenomenal strength coach. We talk often and uh, little do you know the impact you have on somebody's life, which is, I think is really important. You know, we're just talking about shoes for things. You know, I was joking around with him saying, man, I've never had a pair of Jordans, you know. And, um, you know, he goes, oh, yeah, you know, that's crazy being from Chicago. How do you not have a pair of Jordans, you know? So, again, I get this, I get this thing of, hey, check your mail. And there's a book bag, a box, a pair of Jordans. You know, and he just said, hey man, like this is not even comparison to what you've done for me for my career as a mentor, as somebody that let me, you know, let my wings go and give them that outside box to experiment, to be a coach, to be a leader. He's super successful, trains hundreds of NBA guys, NBA D-league guys, great coach. Um, and that's where it comes full circle. That's where the impact you have on the kids, 100%. But when you forge good coaches, you forge good leaders, that impact rose to children and athletes tenfold because my mentorship to him that he found so important that who would have known at 26 and 27, you know, that you're having an impact on somebody for his next 10, 12 years. How many kids has he trained with that perspective? I still see some of my old stuff in my programming that he uses to this day, which is awesome. You know, and your coaching tree is so, so important because we all have them. When your interns leave you, that's part of your coaching tree. They're representing you wherever they go. And that's how I've looked at it. And it's like, would I be proud of him if I walked in his facility and watched him coach? Would he be proud of me if he walked, you know, looked at me through the through the doors of St. Lawrence or me teaching through the walls of St. Xavier? And I think that just comes full circle. You know, his thank you was that's cool. Another cool thing is is every time I, I write a letter of recommendation for a student. And they get into the school of their choice and they get a job in, in their career that is awesome you know the little impact you think you have as an instructor advisor because i advise all of our students again pales in comparison to when i see an email that comes by i just had a, a great student caitlin cooper i said you know how's things going just checking in with her and and she's like i just want to say thank you uh, i got into the ot school that i wanted to get into you know i, I just can't believe how much, you know, this has helped me get into school. So thank you. You know, it's little things like that. The impact you have on a moment of time with one of your student athletes, one of your interns can shape the way their whole career goes. And that's why you have to be really, really conscious of leaving your personal stuff at the door, coming with the right attitude every day at work. And, you know, and that hasn't been for me the whole time. There's days I've had to apologize to staff for being too hard on them or coming out with some, fiery stuff or apologize to an athlete. Sorry, I jumped on you too hard. I I shouldn't have done that. And that's learning getting older. But it's every time you have a a talk with somebody or you're influencing an athlete on a rep set form or talking to an intern, it's impact. Impacts build up. Impacts build up over time. So it's just, it was a great reminder of full circle and so many things that encompasses where our field is right now private sector versus public sector and just the amount of impact you can have at any moment at any time that you don't even know.
1: Awesome. Awesome. And first question, the first one that came up, what kind of J's were they? Cause I'm from Chicago and I used to be in the shoe game. So.
0: That uh, I will show you. Hold on one second. Uh, sure. Do I have them here? Yeah, I have them here. You can tell me. All right. There you go.
1: Oh, you got 11s.
0: Yes. Well, dang.
1: Those are clean, icy. That's what we call in the bottom super nice, icy.
0: Yeah, Yeah, those are icy,
1: dang.
0: (laughs) They'll never go on my feet. One, I'm not good at basketball, but two, you know, they mean more to me than a gym shoe. You know, it's kind of the epitome of career.
1: Yeah. You know, it's really cool. If if, if anyone else is kind of in the shoe game, if I had one pair of shoe that I could put in a glass box, it'd be Bel Air fives. So you kind of have to know shoes, but super (laughs) cool. Super cool. And those... Yeah, so so you should, you should text him and say, hey, these are still super icy and, and see what he says.
0: <laughs> I told him right away. I was like, man, I ain't never putting them on.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, next, next next thing is kind of just those little gifts in general, you know, and, yeah. and Steve always jokes that kind of over the summer when I was looking for jobs and I was one, one foot in, one foot out at TC Boost, but I wanted to be this, you know, big sports science college pro guy. And I'm, and I'm coaching a lot of youth and middle school classes because, you know, I, I've been at school every other year so I'm just there for the summer so I get a lot of the classes and and a little little 10 year old Rory gave me this gift just like in the middle of the summer you know (laughs) and then it was it was this joke that like the Grinch's heart softened you know and it's just like (laughs) it's just like Rory's just in this class you know and I'm doing a good job I think but like you do you truly do never know what impact you are having you know and uh, and, uh, another example was a high schooler Uh, who recently stopped coming to the class just because high school sports picked back up. And the mom emailed me and said, like, you really get, you know, teenagers, Mm because she's had some really like doozy coaches before. And then in my mind, I'm just like, well, as a staff, we always talk about the experience and the impact and like connecting beyond just the sport, you know, but and like, it is cool to receive those affirmations that you are doing a good job, you know, like, you weren't mentoring him for the Jordans, right? I wasn't no. doing it for, the, for the, that little gift or for that email, but it is super cool to just to sit back and reflect and like maybe I, I am on the path that I think I am or I am having that impact that I think I am. So it's super cool when you do receive those kind of affirmations. And then uh, on the rec letters, uh, kind of the last part that you talked about, uh, sometimes, um When you're a little bit too hard on them or stuff like that and this is another question that steve the wizard uh always asks a lot is like is like who do they need me to be right now right or how are they about to experience me when i walk through the door but how do they need to experience me and it's definitely a a hard question to ask you know when even when i come home from coaching six hours straight and i'm like well how are my parents about to experience me
0: right Yep. You
1: know, and that's yep. just a, a super simple reminder about like, yes, we're, we're not perfect and life happens and life is hard, et cetera, et cetera. But if you can give yourself that little reminder and then th- that just raises that impact from like this big to this big, you know, Yes. and then yes, that absolutely. week goes from that big to that big, you know, and it's just like super impactful to be conscious of like, who do they need me to be, you know, yeah. how can I empower them? et cetera, et cetera. So those were just some of the, the things that I got from your stories.
0: Yeah. It's you know, it's it's amazing working at a university that one is so diverse. Um, two deals with first gen kids like I was. And I have no qualms being transparent about my rough first year in college and not knowing what to do and how I bounced back and waited 10 years before I went for my masters. Um, because I'm not a, I'm not a typical academic. I'm not a career, you know, scholar, as somebody say. I'm a real life guy that still coaches and stills, you know, a practitioner that I'm not flashy in my PowerPoints. I'm not captain lecturer, you know, but I'll sit down with them and tell them, this is what I need from you. It's setting expectations. And that goes within strength and conditioning to your employees or your coworkers, whoever you're leading and to your students, setting expectations. So if they don't meet them, they, they know where they stand. But having being transparent about your own story is really, I I ain't the best strength coach, right? I'm not the worst. I'm not the best. I'm not the best professor, not the worst. But I can tell you what, I'll always be empathetic. I'll always listen. And I'll always try to do right by my students or athletes or coaches. That's all I can ask for.
1: And there is no way I could try to rephrase that to do that justice that you just did. So we will get to the last (laughs) question. Yep. Uh, so if there is one question that the listener can ask themselves either on a daily or weekly basis just for, for self-reflection check-in mm-hmm. there's something simple that they can just write down a simple reminder so one question they can ask themselves to continue becoming better what would that be
0: did I give hundred percent today
1: can you look in the
0: mirror and, and not and we, we don't do it every day so it's not like man I did great today it's not it's not one of those things there the self-reflection that that is so Popular right now, and which it should be, it's a daily reflection of how did I do today? How did I do? That you know, was I at hundred percent? Did I get to the athletes like I should? Did I teach hundred percent? There's some days I walk out of St. Lawrence walls, I go, man, that wasn't that great of coaching today. You know, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. I had X on my mind, or been something else is going on, or it's been, yeah, I think we got those kids today. I think we did. I think my staff did a great job. You know, did I teach well today? <sighs> And I don't know, that wasn't that great of a lecture, you know, so then it's rehashing and it's mar- making these little marks because it allows you to be, it allows you to put stuff down that you can improve on, which I don't think we do enough to ourselves. I don't really think we set our own expectations. We like having people set expectations for us because we like to achieve something. You know, a lot of us are achievers or are, are checkmark guys or girls, right? We have to start doing that for ourselves. We have to have our own expectations or else other people's expectations don't matter because then we're being who they want us to be. You gotta be who you want to be. And it's tough. I have, you know, very young staff and I often ask my staff, what do you want to do? in five years? Where do you want to be, you know? And I don't know, I don't know. You gotta start having some expectations for yourself. Can't live in a world of stagnant. You can't be stagnant water. Stagnant water is never good to drink, right? You gotta always be fresh. You always gotta challenge yourself. Man, it can only come from internally. You know, and that's what I tell my students, like your motivation, your intrinsic drive, I can't, I can't do anything about that. I can externally motivate you. Good grades, great bench press, good squat. Those are all external motivators. They have to find it with them within themselves. And when they do, when they do, when they get that fire, you get to see the success, whatever that success may be, might be just making the varsity team. Some of the greatest athletes I've trained that are the most fun have just made the varsity team. That's cool. That's their goal. That was their motivation. I played whatever, one game of football in my high school career. They all have those athletes. We know they're not going to be D1 athletes. Um, so once you see that fire lit, generally speaking, those external motivators are, are met with, you know, high expectations and and they're completed. But you got to have those conversations of what internally drives you. And that's something you ask yourself every day. Did I give 100 percent? You know, if somebody was great at me right now, did I do right? Did I do good? And if not, how do you fix it? What didn't you do? And I think that's really important. Mm-hmm.
1: And, that's, and that's understanding that not every day is going to be 100%. But okay. if you're honest enough with yourself to say, no, I was, I was not, but I'm aware enough to realize when, when it was 95 or what okay. I can do better next time. And then consequently adding on the second part of your answer about like, did I give 100% to help me get to where I want to go? Right, And that's not to say that like in one day of giving 100%, you're going to earn that scholarship. Right. <laughs> right. But did I do everything I could today to help me get to where proverbial pr- proverbially I want to go, right. you know, and, and it's super simple. And, and that's kind of the, the Hawthorne effect. I'll make it sciencey. Yeah. You know, just the fact <laughs> that, that you're being evaluated or, you know, you will, it's yeah. going to, imp- or you're being observed, you know, like just that we have a Nord board in our facility, hamstring strength has gone up, you know, because we know it's being measured. Right. You know, at the end of the day, you're gonna ask yourself, there's a sticky note on your mirror, did I give one hundred percent today? You know, chances mm-hmm. right. are just gonna elevate everything.
0: Absolutely. And it's important. It's important for young coaches to realize that. And I didn't learn that till late in the game, you know, and, and it's is something I think is really important for these young students that I have that are they are about to embark on finishing education, whether graduating this year, or these student athletes they haven't competed in a year and about to compete on Monday. And you know, the, the built up anxiety, the built up, all this frustration they've had of sitting on the sidelines for a year, you know, is, are they going to perform what they think they're going to perform on that Monday night when they tip off? That's crazy, right? Now I had to tell the head coach, man, like you need to, you got to understand these kids haven't competed in a year. You know, he's a brand new head coach, phenomenal head coach. And he's like, yeah, I didn't think about that. I'm like, these, they're going to be very anxious to get out there and prove, prove, prove. You got to learn as the coach, when to take that down. when to raise it up. And again, understanding your athletes' intrinsic motivators. You know, we give a survey to all of our athletes at St. Lawrence at the beginning of the year about, you know, are they, you know, external guys? Are they internal? What drives them to be good athletes? It's really important. We take stock. That's how we get the foundation of the relationship. You know, making sure they're okay. Asking kids every morning we we roll in here. At first thing I ask my kids, how are you doing today? How's your week going? Feeling good today? Feeling good today? Absolutely. When they leave, have a great practice. Have a great day at school. You know, it's starting the day off with a positive attitude, ending it with a positive attitude and not mentioning the work that happened in between those hours. Cause it's not about that. It's not about that. Setting them up for a tone of the day cause we see them first. That tone has to be met all the way through the day. Ending that hour session or hour and a half, all in there ever with us with that same tone of have a great day, man. You know, be a good student athlete today. You know, stuff like that. So it's important.
1: And the foundation of that relationship or the foundation of that day, it's a simple question. You know, yep. you can't give them all the answers, but you can guide them that way with certain questions, you know? Absolutely. So I'm sure we could go on and on for two hours I, like we did the first time we chatted, but <laughs> those are some awesome stories. Thank you for your transparency and being open. And now I'm opening up the floor, rolling out that red carpet for you to plug whatever you want to plug. Where can we get more of you, et cetera, et cetera?
0: I, uh, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a very simple man on social media. So our, I usually am on Instagram at primetimeSP21. Um, you know, I, I tell people always follow our guys, John Villani at JV, you know, Villani. Um St. Lawrence is a great, St. Lawrence Vikes um, are great to follow as well. They do great stuff with education. Uh, adversity volleyball, we do, it's at Adversity BB. Um, we, we do a lot of work with them too. And at my university, SXU, um, we have a phenomenal um, education um, that we, we really drive for the student success. So that's it, you know, not a big plug guy. Uh, one thing I will say that's really helped me over the last five, six years, and particularly these last two, um, are things like Brett Bartholomew's stuff with uh, his new stuff like Blind Spot or, or Value. And I can't echo enough to never underestimate yourself and follow people who you want to be mentored by and never be afraid to reach out, ever. Simple DM can make great connections, right? And I can weird. tell you, yeah. yeah, weird, right? And, and I've become I'm really good friends with like Jim Cabasso. I'm on the board at the IYCA. They will never, really good coaches, really good people will never deny a response. So Just remember that. To the young coaches out there, to the athletes, you want to be mentored by somebody, you got to reach out to them. You can't just follow them on Instagram or, or Facebook or any other social media platform. Ask questions, always be inquisitive and always be a, a lifetime learner.
1: Fantastic. So thank you very much for your time. I'm looking forward to our next chat. And yeah, yeah, this is sweet.
0: I look forward to being up at TC Boost pretty soon.